Welcome to Invest in Women, the podcast series, your insight into the growing wealth of women and the issues that impact their business and yours. See what happens when you educate, empower, and invest in women. Schwab Advisor Services is proud to support the Invest in Women podcast series and to advocate on the industry's behalf to attract new, diverse talent. Schwab Advisor Services is passionate about supporting independent registered investment advisors with the insights and strategies needed to grow their business. Explore your path to independence at advisorservices.schwab.com. Kylie Miller, who is the director of ESG Solutions at InvestNet, is with us. Kylie, thank you so much um, for being with us. Yeah, happy to be here, Melissa. Yeah, so we focus here on the podcast about women, and I've heard that women are great investors, right? So uh, traditionally, I don't think in, in most people's families, they would assume that the women are the better investors. But I wanted to ask you, in your experience, do you find that's true? And what makes women good, sustainable investors? Yeah, so I think you heard from Dana Dioria, our co-CIO and group president of Wealth Solutions in a previous episode of this podcast, that research really shows that women are more likely to stay invested. You know, they trade less and tend to stay more disciplined. And that makes great candidates, that makes women great candidates for sustainable investing. And I think the opportunity that sustainable investing presents is really a way to invest in long-term trends and themes. And women inherently view the world and their investments more long-term, right? So think about issues like climate change and developments in renewable energy and regenerative agriculture and carbon capture technology. Think about issues like access and equity. These are things that we as a society are really moving towards. And they're things that have the potential to improve quality of life. And they're viewed as long-term kind of secular trends. So that's one thing that I would say. The other thing I'd say is that we tend to position the sustainable investing opportunity to advisors as really a way to maintain assets through the wealth transfer. As we know, most people don't use their parents' financial advisor, right? And there are 2 billion millennials worldwide. And looking at female millennials specifically, when it comes to earning power and pattern, 86% of female millennials who are in a relationship are part of a dual career couple. So as female millennials are now entering their peak earning years and climbing the career ladder, sustainable investing can really enable advisors to have that deeper, more meaningful relationship with women. It's an opportunity to align their capital with how they view the world. And that's something that we've seen resonate. I think especially we're seeing financial advice become increasingly commoditized, right? And we see the emergence of robo-advisors and model portfolios and really no two clients will have the same sustainable investment goals. And that personalization can really act as a differentiator for financial advisors as well and is something that women may be more naturally inclined to prioritize. Well, and I think it's it's something that I think is hopeful to get more women to be investors hearing this because it sounds, Kylie, especially in the beginning as you were explaining this, that women are allowed to use their emotions in investing. And I think for a lot of women, maybe the intimidation factor of investing is the fact that they may feel like it's unfamiliar territory because it seems unemotional, that money does not seem something that aligns with a belief system. And to be able to merge the two for a woman, it sounds like that's something that would be exciting for her to be a part of. 
Absolutely. Yeah. It's investors really have an opportunity to shift their capital right towards companies that either broadly are transitioning to a more sustainable economy or more specifically that advocate for women to succeed at all levels of employment. Right. So that's kind of the story here. And what I think is really compelling for women investors to know about and be aware of that these options, these investment opportunities are out there. Mm -hmm. Well, now talking about women being interested in sustainable investing and the different approaches that that would cause for her portfolio. Do you mind talking about that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So at InvestNet, we define sustainable investing as encompassing a, a range of approaches that recognize really the interconnectedness between environmental health, social equity, and long-term economic performance. And we see sustainable investing as an umbrella term for really three different approaches. So the first is ESG integration, and that's uh, investing in a world that is changing, right? It's an investment philosophy where you're using data to better understand and manage risk in your investments and better price externalities using a environmental, social, and governance lens on your investments. The second area is really around values alignment, and that's aligning your portfolio to your values, regardless of what those values might be, right? So that's usually implemented through screening. So avoiding gun manufacturers, for example, or tobacco companies. And then the third area, the third bucket is really impact investing, and that's investing to change the world, right? So focusing your portfolio around targeted issue areas like affordable housing, for example, or water scarcity or clean energy. So those three approaches can be leveraged independently, but they also can be used together as well. And if you hone in to really focus on advancing gender equality specifically as a goal within your portfolio, there are a lot of different things to consider. Maybe you want to avoid exposure to companies that have insufficient gender diversity at various employment levels or evidence of unequal pay. Or maybe you want to invest in companies that have strong programs for women mentorship, for example, or have good maternity leave programs or really good flexible work policies. I mean, as we know, these are things that are crucial for women to overcome the broken rung, right? So, so that companies can have strong representation of women at higher levels of employment. And what's different now about in the past is that compared to the past is that when we is, is it now we have the data to really identify which companies are leading in gender equity and which ones are lagging because people have demanded the transparency around these issues. So I think if these are things that people, but women in particular, feel strongly about in their everyday lives and within their own places of work, it's likely that they will also care about these issues within their investments. So as an advisor, you know, I think it's worth bringing up. And I think as women take on more financial decision-making, uh, investment products that reflect their perspectives will be increasingly important. And it's not just about how women may care more about these issues. These issues present an investment opportunity, which I think is important to also point out, right? Studies show that there's a correlation between gender diversity and better business performance, right? We've all seen this and that means better returns for investors. So there are several investment products out there in the market that have a gender lens approach or a broader kind of diversity focus. There's ETFs, there's the mutual funds, there's SMA models. Uh, at InvestNet, we give advisors that use our platform the ability to kind of search on and filter for diversity-focused investment products on our invest on the InvestNet platform. But each kind of investment approach to considering diversity is different. And uh, I think, you know, that you can kind of curate a list and, you know, through that sort of filtering process, 
the advisor can then dig deeper into the specific focus areas of each fund and match that with their client's particular concerns around gender equity or broader diversity or just a, an even broader kind of ESG lens. Well, I'm sure, like you said, a couple things, you mentioned millennials. Now I'm a Gen Xer, so I don't have a dog in the fight, but it makes sense that there uh, is kind of an evolution in investing for millennials as a as opposed to boomers, where, like you said, you have these specific things that you can target. And like you said, they're great investments. And I, there's a part of me that there's got to be a correlation too about women being able to invest in things not, that they care about, that are good investments. It makes them more active, I would think, in their own portfolios rather than this idea of, okay, I, I don't know what I'm doing, so I'm going to do this and I'm just going to just not think about it. Where at least with all these tools, it seems to me that the reason it becomes a great portfolio for a woman is because she is involved in it consistently. Because like you said, things change and who knows that better than millennials for everything that they've grown up with and seen in their adult life. So, you know, I'm sure also that they expect the same diversity within the people that manage their portfolios. Is that correct? Absolutely. I think that's completely true. I think investor needs are shifting, right? And people are translating their concern over environmental and social issues into action in their daily lives, whether that's how they spend their money, how they vote, where they volunteer or donate, but also where they allocate their money, right? I think that investors are starting to talk to their advisors about how to invest to reflect these concerns across areas like climate or diversity and equity. And I think that investors really value that personal experience and that personal connection to their money. I mean, we've seen studies that show that that even investors will, will pay more for that personal experience, right? When, in, when, value, when client values are incorporated into their portfolios, clients are more satisfied and they're more likely to feel like they get an exceptional value for the fees that they pay. So I think there's definitely a compelling um, value proposition there. It, you know, Kylie, it's got to be exciting for you to be a part of all this. And I'm curious, like what attracted you to this industry and how, as you as a woman, has it, you know, affected your life? And let's talk about the women that you've worked with and how it's affected their lives financially as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, so I studied sustainability broadly in undergrad and sustainable finance in grad school. And the second I learned about this industry, that it existed, I knew I wanted to be part of it. Uh, and I got a job out of graduate school at a company called Sustainalytics, which is an ESG research and rating firm that's now owned by Morningstar. And I worked on the client side there. At that point, the majority of our clients were asset managers, and we helped asset managers really incorporate ESG research and data into their investment analysis and process. And at that time, I was maybe the 10th employee in the U.S. I think this was in around 2015. And I was really able to witness ESG integration in investment management go mainstream. I, I saw wide adoption from institutions and asset managers during my time at Sustainalytics. It was hard at first to get buy-in from the investment team, but over time, people started to really see the value that this information provides and the edge and the lens that it can offer in the investment process. Because in the end, this is really just more information, right, to make more informed investment decisions. And then for me, what I saw then was a gap in terms of wealth and retail adoption. So asset managers were creating these products, and I wasn't necessarily seeing um, wealth managers and end investors really uh, have an awareness and education around this space and just an understanding of what's out there. And so I, I saw that the next challenge kind of present itself there, again, giving financial advisors the tools and resources they need to have conversations with their clients on sustainability goals alongside their other financial goals and really support advisors with implementing solutions for their clients 
that meet those sustainability goals. Because we know that retail investors want this. We've all seen, seen the surveys and studies that demonstrate the demand, right? But sustainability is a very broad topic and every investor has a different set of sustainability related priorities. And so there's a lot of education that needs to happen to really match investor motivations with portfolio solutions. And that's mm -hmm. what we at Investment are really trying to solve for when it comes to sustainable investing. I think on a personal note, my mom was a financial advisor and uh, she passed away a few years ago and she got into this industry later in life after raising my sister and my brother and I. And one reason she became an advisor was a result of her experience with friends and women in our community who struggled during divorce with having the right support and resources to navigate the financial aspects of divorce. And I think generationally things are evolving, right? And women are becoming more financially literate with their involvement in the workforce and just better access to resources. But there's still a major learning curve when it comes to investing and not just investing, but our entire financial life. And I think an example that illustrates that is I have extremely intelligent friends who are very successful in their careers and tech and marketing and advertising and consulting, but they don't know the language of finance, right? Because it's not part of their day to day. Mm -hmm. So many of them come to me and ask, what's my next step? How do I even know what my options are? Like how much equity do I have in my company? It, it's kind of wild, right? And as an industry, I just think we need to be, we need to do a better job of accessing these people, particularly women who need the right tools and the right resources and the right support. So I would just say that as well. Well, and as a, like I said earlier, like a Gen X or a little older, I, I'm finding too that women need to be uh, savvy in investing as young as they can, because they're still you never know what life's going to bring you. And like you said, with your mother's experience, um, and I'm sorry for your loss, but you know, helping women through divorce, like there was a time and they're still in some circles. It's just like the scarlet letter, but it, there was a time where being divorced as a woman was just a terrible experience on her still is, like I said, for some, but there's also the workforce issues, right? The older a woman gets sometimes in certain industries, it's not as fruitful as it may have been when she was younger. So to be able to understand investing as young as possible, um, I think will help any woman in any situation she's in, um, regardless of her age. And so my question to you is, do you think that we are educated enough as a lay as lay people, not people in the financial industry, but just as, as regular people. Do you think that we are educated enough about finance or do you think it's still something that most people walk into really naive? Yeah, I mean, I do think it's something that most people walk into really naive. It's, I mean, and I'm speaking more from my own experience, again, with people I know and my friends mm -hmm. who, again, like by all accounts, you know, are successful, you know, people that are out there building their careers and are highly intelligent and highly effective. And yet, you know, again, it's the language barrier of finance, again, having it not be part of your day to day. Um, I think people are embarrassed to ask simple questions and that prohibits them from really learning and digging into it. And there's just not enough hours in the day, right? Where are they going to go to Investopedia and start Googling some financial <laughs> terms? It's, it's mm -hmm. hard, right? And, and I think we all know money makes people uncomfortable and so some people just don't want to talk about it, let alone think about it. So uh, I think that, that that is absolutely a barrier. We need to just destigmatize the language a bit and just talk to people in the terms that they are familiar with and not overwhelm. 
because it's better to talk to somebody than not to talk to somebody, you know, I, mm-hmm. I also want to just switch because I mean, I love the fact that you're part of a financial advisor family. I think the family tradition is fantastic. And there's got to be some thread that keeps all of you wanting to do this and moving forward with this. I mean, what are some of the, I don't know, like the, the stories you tell, the positive stories, the successful stories that just makes you happy to be where you are? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I think recently we've had a couple of financial advisors that use our platform that have professors that are clients of theirs that have you know, recently retired or there's a certain life event occurring and they have historically sort of just been invested in traditional types of investments and they want to sort of completely reallocate their portfolio to, I think, broadly sustainable investing, but then they have specific sort of areas of interest that they want to capture or reflect as well in terms of their exposures within their overall asset allocation. So an example is uh, someone we worked with was really interested in synthetic biology because she was a PhD in biology and a professor of that, and that was really important to her. We also had another client who really wants to solve homelessness in an area of California. And so it's sort of, I think, stories like that and opportunities to work with people like that through their financial advisor and support the advisor, you know, and offering their client the best possible solution from an investment perspective. I think that's what really gets me excited and keeps me very passionate about this space and what we're doing. And there's so much opportunity. I mean, again, so many people do not know that this exists, that this is possible, right? They, they think that they'll go to a robo or, a, you know, even with their own financial advisor in conversations, they're not, this is not necessarily a topic that is coming up regularly um, yet. And so I just think we're really focused at investment on education and on making sure that advisors know and understand that the range of approaches, again, it's, It's not just one thing. This can look a lot of different ways. And we're trying to navigate the terminology for advisors and, again, just the range of approaches so that we can help them match their clients' concerns with actual investment opportunities and actually implement for them and and with them. Well, Kyla, we're almost out of time, Um, but I do, you know, one last piece of advice, if you have for other women who are, you know, either up and coming in the financial world or working in it and just seeking kind of some kind of mentorship or some kind of something to hang on to? Is there any advice you give to other women in this industry? Yeah, I would say, especially for sustainable investing, because that's just what I know and live and breathe, right? Um, I think that interestingly, there's actually a lot of free and open access tools to really get you started. Um, As You Sow is a really great organization. They have this free online tool that will show you if a mutual fund or ETF that you're invested in owns fossil fuels, for example, or guns or other areas that you might, you know, might be of interest to you. They also have a gender lens scorecard that scores funds and ETFs on these areas can identify which funds score well on gender equity metrics or racial equity metrics. There's also some other open source tools out there. Morningstar has an ESG fund screener. Um, MSCI has an ESG fund ratings, you know, portal. So there's different ways to get a certain level of transparency around what you're invested in, right? And for, for free and again, open source. So I would just say that there are resources out there currently that you can start to dig into to, to see and better explore different signals in terms of your portfolio's current exposure, and then start to take steps to align your portfolio with um, what you particularly care about, your sustainability. I mean, how exciting. I mean, you're right. It's an exciting field that is growing and it's because of Kylie Miller. Thank you so much for being a part of the podcast. We really appreciate your time. 
thank you for listening to Invest in Women, the podcast series. Your insight into the growing wealth of women and how to attract and retain your female clients and help scale your practice. Learn more by subscribing to this podcast or visiting fa-mag.com.